0: Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Let's go ahead and get into it, y'all. We are beginning our new spring semester that we are calling this. You ready? The Rewards of Righteousness. Can somebody say the rewards of righteousness? And in fact, you should have gotten a syllabus on your way. And if you didn't get one of these booklets, go ahead and raise your hand if you don't mind. And our ushers and greeters will get one to you. This is a resource made in-house by our pastoral team. We come together as Pastor Bobby uh, has been praying about, hey, what are we gonna focus on? What are we gonna teach on as we begin this new teaching uh, collection of talks in, in this semester? So this is a resource for you. We wanna encourage you, take it take ownership of ownership of it, write your name in it, take it home with you. And then also, guess what, here's what's amazing, you're gonna be able to take notes and follow along with every message on Sundays, also on Wednesdays. And there are also family devotionals in this booklet as well, where guess what, you can go home even after today and throughout this week multiple times and have a family discussion, a prayer focus, a scripture that you read. Because I love this about our church, But what's being taught right here this morning in the main sanctuary is also being taught in Riverside kids as well in a way that they can understand it. So you may wanna listen in today if you got some kiddos because they may ask you some questions. And I wanna make sure that we can respond to it. Also on the back part of the syllabus, I do wanna mention, we have some upcoming events, uh, big things coming up, such as for example today, it's Crew Recruit Sunday, as the spring semester is starting. And also next Friday, Night to Shine is taking place at East High School, come on somebody. It is not too late to sign up to volunteer serve. It's a a prom night for people with special needs where they get crowned as kings and queens and we just show them the love of God. The gospel is presented and we've seen God do amazing things. Last year at East High School, we did it. We're the host church. We had about a thousand people show up and this year we know that God is gonna continue to move. I'm thankful for the special needs community here at Riverside Church. Anybody thankful for that? And we are still looking for buddies. So if you wanna sign up, we encourage you go to nighttoshinevictoria.com, it's not too late. We are looking for more buddies that can stand alongside and be a part with the king or queen and guide them throughout uh, throughout that day. But if you don't mind, can you stand as we get ready to open up the word of God and read it? We're gonna be reading out of Matthew chapter five. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter five, verse one through 12. Somebody say righteousness. It's really important that we understand what this word means, what it means to be righteous or what righteousness is. In fact, it is mentioned, this word in the Bible, 540 times. 540 times righteousness or righteous is mentioned from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And there's a lot of different commentaries and definitions that people have given for this word. I've literally seen like people expound on this on these words by like multiple, multiple pages, but if we were to give you a working definition for what the righteousness of God is, we would give it to you like this. Simply put, it means to be in right standing with God. To be in right standing with God. Righteous. If you wanna go deeper, it's the power of God working in us. In other words, you can't, experience God's righteousness, and you can't separate it from his spirit. When it comes to God's righteousness and when it comes to God's spirit, see, that's why it says in the book of Romans that the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the what? Holy Spirit. So it's the power of God working in us and through us both to will and to do his good Pleasure. Philippians 2 12 through 13. We're going to read the summary for this week as we get ready to get into this. Week one, we're talking about this today hunger and righteousness. Can somebody say, hunger and righteousness? We're going to read the summary in here before we read the scripture. It says, Hunger and thirst are natural forces that keep us alive in a similar way. In a similar way, our souls are made to hunger and thirst after the Lord. It is God's righteousness that humanity needs to fulfill our needs, bringing an end to the hunger and thirst that this world cannot fill. Jesus likened our desire for righteousness as a force that will lead us to life. It begins with us noticing our need and hunger for God's spirit. Matthew 5, verse 1 through 12 says this, and to give you some context, this is the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. These are, uh, the, these, these chapters and these verses are probably some of the most widely and most commonly quoted verses in all the gospels. People have called this the greatest sermon that has ever been preached. Like who in here, can you imagine listening to Jesus preach? Come on, because he was the Word made flesh. So his Word is literally, it's the Word of God. That's recorded right here. It says in Matthew 5, verse 1 through 12, it says this, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Can somebody say hunger? Hunger? and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? Filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted, for what righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute and say, call all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And I was having a, yeah, we can praise God for that too. And I was having a a conversation this past week with my barber, and sometimes, many times he hears my sermons before I ever share it and preach it to y'all. But we're talking about this, how Jesus didn't just die to get you into heaven. He died also to get heaven on the inside of you and that there are rewards and benefits and perks and privileges that we can experience and walk in even in this world today as we pursue and seek first what? His kingdom and His righteousness and what all these things shall be added unto us. God has called us to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He wants to lead us in paths of righteousness. God has a plan, He has a purpose and He didn't leave you by yourself but you have been given the spirit of Almighty God to do what God has called you to do come on does anybody want the righteousness of God in their lives we need it let's pray Lord Jesus thank you for today Lord God begin to change and alter our appetites Lord Jesus we acknowledge God that none of us are perfect none of us have it all together Lord Jesus we've all fallen short of the glory of God and we just humble ourselves before you today give us ears to hear Give us hearts to receive in Jesus' name. Thank you for your word. And somebody said amen, amen, amen. Go ahead and give God some praise. Bless the Lord. Come on. On the way back to your seat, you may be seated. Thank you for standing and honor of reading God's word. Quick survey and quick question. How many people in here grew up playing sports? Or maybe you got, yeah, show of hands. See how athletic our church is right here, okay? Maybe you grew up in a... Uh, a home that was fanatic, uh, f- fanatic about sports. Maybe your parents told you you're gonna get in that sport and you're gonna like it, or maybe you weren't good and they pulled you out of it, whatever it may be. Let me, let me go a step further. How many people in here have received and won and have trophies or medals Come on, f- from succeeding in sports or maybe other type of activities? I don't wanna just limit it to just sports because my wife, for example, she was into theater and she was into debate and speech and things and she has all these different trophies as well. My mom, you know, this past week I was helping my mom and my dad clean up their storage area and their attic and we took down this one box and in this box y'all was, was a box filled with all different types of medals and trophies and things that my mom had won because don't, let me tell you Pastor Don, she's a runner, she's a track star, y'all. She like every sport, super athletic even to this day. Softball, track, basketball, Pastor Don can get down with sports. But it's almost like that athleticism skips right over me the second born. Went to my sisters, went to my little brother. My little brother he's so athletic, y'all. He his sophomore year at East High School at his trials, he got onto the, the varsity team. There was only one of two people that did that. I'm like, dude, I'm so proud. You're so much, you're so much cooler than I was at your age, you know? Because I wasn't really involved in all those things. You know, my sisters, they, they sucked all the musical talent and ability, maybe I just didn't apply, my, I don't know. But Haley won the talent show at East High School and all those things. But I do have one thing to show for my short-lived sports career, and it was from elementary school whenever I played soccer. Don't get too jealous, I know. I played soccer, y'all, I was obsessed with soccer whenever I was in elementary school, and I was like, Mom, I wanna play soccer. You know, sign me up for soccer, you know, and, and I won't forget, I joined the, the, the VISO League here in Victoria, which stands for the Victoria Youth Soccer Organization. And I won't forget, you know, signing up because you get to pick your team. So I picked my team. I could pick any team. And I picked the Stingers. We were the victorious Stingers, y'all. We wore these green jerseys. And I was like, man, I got my outfit and my gear and everything. I'm like, man, here we go. I'm the next Ronaldo. Here we go. I got that. I had the spiky hair and everything, you know, I won't forget. Like, we went to Central America for a missions trip, and they thought that I was one of the citizens there. They passed right past me. I was like, I'm, I'm ready. It's in my blood. I'm going to take over. and Has anybody ever seen the movie Kicking and Screaming? That was my team, y'all. I showed up to the field. And I showed up to the, for the first practice. And our team, I mean, it was not good. In fact, it was so bad that we didn't win one single game the entire first season and first year. And there was only one good player on our team, and his name was Zach. And the strategy my coach had was this. pass the ball to Zach. (laughs) I would have the ball and I'll be going, I'm pretty sure there were times my parents went in their car and were laughing at me during the game, I don't know. But I would go down the line and the coach was like, pass it to Zach, pass it to Zach. We didn't win, and you know, so, we weren't undefeated, we were defeated. I don't even know what you name it, y'all. We didn't win one single game, but you know what? I was like, you know what? I'm gonna sign up again for the second year. I'm gonna persevere. That year was just a fluke. And I, think, I like to think of myself as a loyal guy. I said, you know what? I'm gonna sign up for the same team. Because surely, everybody else that was on the team the year before won't sign up for the same team again. I signed up for the Victoria's Stings, I showed up to practice, every single person that played the previous year thought the same thing. Same exact team, we didn't win any games that year. In fact, we were an all-guys team. They played us against an all-girls team. I don't know how they made that work, and we still lost. Okay, no offense to all the ladies in this place, okay, but, but you know what they gave me, y'all, to show for those two grueling years? I said, you know, after that, I was like, you know, soccer is just not for me. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you ever have people, it's like, they're not, you're not having fun if you're not winning. <laughs> you know, if you're losing, you're not having fun. That's how it was for me. You know, it could be competitive. But I got a medal, y'all. I got a participation medal for my years of soccer. So that was my soccer career. That's my one trophy. I don't really have any of the trophies or anything. But my wife, on the other hand, oh yeah. Brooklyn was talented and, and gifted, and she has all different types of trophies. And this trophy right here, get this, she won at a debate tournament, which is why I choose not to debate <laughs> and argue or some people call it intense fellowship. We don't argue, we have intense fellowship with my wife because she literally has trophies for her words and her mouth, okay, that's all I'm saying right here. But she actually won this at of state competition for her speech and, and the topic that she talked about and she gave a speech on was she talked about human trafficking and bringing awareness to human trafficking and modern-day slavery taking place, which. Did you know that there are more slaves today in the world than there has ever been that have existed throughout history at one time? So slavery is still taking place. And she talked about this and she made such an impact. She stood before influential people. She ended up going to nationals. And I believe God used her. And she still has that heart for women and and people that go through that uh, as well. But my wife, she is so talented. I don't know where she's at right now. I don't know if she's back here. Probably watching my niece, Selah, right now. But love you, babe. You're more talented than me. You got, a better, you got a bigger and better looking trophy and a reward than me, but who knows? This right here, this trophy, this was a reward that was achieved. My little medal right here was not really achieved as much as it was received. Like, in other words, I don't even know if I would call this a reward. <laughs> I would call this A gift. And the reason I open up with those stories and I want to share that to you today is because I think it's so important today as we begin to talk about this new semester, we're talking about the rewards of righteousness that we need to first have, have to have a proper perspective of what the righteousness of God is and how we can attain it. Because let me tell you one thing about the righteousness of God, and this is so basic and so fundamental for the faith, but so many people get this wrong. Let me tell you today what the righteousness of God isn't. The righteousness of God is not a reward that that is achieved. It's a gift that is received. come on you can write that down right there the righteousness of God that's the first point is not a reward that is achieved it is a gift that is received in other words let me remind you and tell you today that we don't do right things to earn God's righteousness we do right things because we have been given God's righteousness Let me go a step further. Your good works are not the cause of salvation. Your good works are the effect of salvation. In other words, there's nothing that you and I can do by our own self-righteousness and our good works alone that, that could cause us to produce or achieve God's righteousness alone. That our righteousness cannot save us. But let me tell you, you can position yourself in a way in order to receive the righteousness of God. And once you receive the righteousness of God, you are called to walk in it. Your righteousness alone cannot save you and will not save you. If that was the case, let me tell you, Jesus wouldn't have stepped on the scene the way that he did. If we could save ourselves, why would Jesus come? The scripture says that he came to what? Seek and save that which is lost. He himself said there were times when he was water baptized and he ascended to heaven and he, and he did different things. And he said, I'm doing this to fulfill all what? righteousness he didn't come to abolish the law he came to fulfill the law he didn't come to give you what you deserve he came to give us what he deserves and he who knew no sin what became sin so that way you and I can become the righteousness of God the righteousness of God is not earned it's exchanged It's the righteousness of God. You want to give a theological big word, imputed. God has imputed. In other words, he has transferred his righteousness, Jesus Christ, from what he did before, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And now, by grace, through faith, we take on the name of Jesus, we receive the righteousness of God, and it changes us. And it's because of that righteousness that we can boldly approach the throne of grace, the book of hebrews says and obtain and receive mercy from god and it's that same righteousness that changes us from the inside out and it's that righteousness that christ has given you that 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 you can know in your heart that your salvation is secured that you have hope in heaven for eternity and let me tell you it was nothing that that you could have achieved by yourself to earn it was given to you and exchanged to you by jesus Come on, who's in here thankful for the the grace of God, the righteousness of God? It's not about achieving, it's about receiving. Pastor Kayla, give me some scripture to back up what you're saying. I got plenty of scripture here in the Bible, y'all. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21 says this, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift. Somebody say gift. It's almost like Jesus finished the race, which he did, and he fulfilled it all. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And it's like he said, Here you go, guess what? I know you got a race to run too. Let me give you the power. Let me give you the righteousness. Let me give you the strength of what I have done. See, we don't have to get it at the end of the race. He gives us his righteousness at the beginning of the race so we can do what God has called us to do. He says, it is a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone should boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should what? Walk in them. So it's not just about standing, it's also about walking. The righteousness of God to be in right standing with God, but by you being in right standing with God, guess what? It will change the way that you talk, the way that you walk, The way that you think, the way that you act, things begin to change, not because of how good I am, but by how good God is to me, and he changes us from the inside out. It's a gift. It's a gift. The Holy Spirit even is a gift, not a reward. Come on, isn't that how people treat God many times? As a reward, right? And Romans 5, verse 17 through 19 says, for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, speaking of Adam, Much more those who receive, somebody say receive abundance of grace in the what gift of righteousness will reign in life through one through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as the one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so through one man's righteous act, the what free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Do we have any righteous people in this place today? Somebody say this after me. Somebody say, God's righteousness is not achieved. It's received. It's not earned, it's exchanged. It's not a reward, it's a gift. This is so important for every one of us to grab a hold of of and understand. I know this is very fundamental and practical, but guess what? We have many weeks to talk about the righteousness of God, and it's so important for you to grab a hold of this. Why? Because God desires to fill you with his righteousness. God desires even to fill you with his spirit. But the problem is that many people fall into is they fall into the entrapment of thinking that by, they see it not as a gift, but as a reward, and they fall into the trap of thinking that they have to work harder and do better and be smarter in order to receive the righteousness of God and therefore, they go through their entire lives disqualifying themselves from walking in and receiving the righteousness of God. And therefore, guess what happens? Because they, they, they think, oh, one day I'll get it whenever I, 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 I'm just better. And they go through their life going through the same endless cycles of sin, time again and again and again, and they find themselves walking around in circles, not making any progress, not developing, not maturing because they are disqualifying themselves because they see the righteousness of God and they treat even the spirit of God as a reward that they will one day earn when they are good, good enough, when the reality is it is not a reward, it is a Gift that has been given to you by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And guess what? When that begins to happen, we receive His righteousness, and it's in His righteousness and His spirit and His power that works on the inside of us that breaks the power of sin over your life. I said, You don't have to be a slave to sin, you don't have to be a save to the flesh, you don't have to be a slave to the enemy, but by His grace, by His righteousness, by His his Spirit, you can walk in freedom, why? Because whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You just gotta learn how to turn and repent and surrender and say, God, I need you. God, I can't do this without you. God, I I am nothing without you. I need you. I am hungry and thirsty for your righteousness. I have gone through this life far too long, hungering and thirsting after the things of this world, and I still feel empty. I'm going through these cycles. Let me tell you, God can break the chains. God can deliver those that are oppressed. don't have to be a slave to sin. You can receive by grace through faith. Is anybody hungry and thirsty for the righteousness of God? Guess what? God said this, if you're hungry and thirsty for my righteousness, you shall be God wants you to be filled with Him. He wants you to be filled with His presence. He wants you to be filled with His righteousness. Why? Because He knows that when you are filled with Him, you will be transformed from the inside out. You will walk in your God given purpose and you will be satisfied in ways that this world can never satisfy you. But the question is this now why is there so many people that aren't hungering? and thirsting after the righteousness of God. Why is there so many people even in life that don't notice or know their need for God? Like you ever thought about this before? Maybe you have a family member, maybe you have a friend, maybe you're in this place even right now. You know, because even as believers, we, if we're not careful, it can be hard for us to receive, receive and reflect the righteousness of God. And rather than us walking in freedom and walking in victory, we are walking in defeat and we are walking in denial. God wants to fill you. He wants to satisfy your soul. He wants to make you into a new creation by his spirit. But why are many people not being filled with the Lord? Here's the second point I want to give you today. Feel free to write this down. God can't fill you with his righteousness if you are full of yourself. I know, that hit me like a ton of bricks too when God gave it to me. I said, God, you want me to say that? He said, yeah, say that right here. God can't fill you with his righteousness if you are full of yourself. Jesus said, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. But here's what I've learned. It's hard to be filled if you're already full of something else, right? It's hard to be filled if you're already full of something else. Like, for example, you ever gone out to eat before at a restaurant, and when you're eating at a restaurant, you eat a big old meal, and and, and you get full from the food where you can't take another bite, and then you ever have the waiter or waitress come to your table at the very end before they give you the ticket? And what do they ask you? You got any room for dessert? Come on, this just happened to me in Brooklyn recently, okay? We just went out to eat this past week and we ate our food. And then and, and the waiter and waitress came and said, Would you want? But we denied the dessert because we were full from them. I feel judgment right now. Don't act like you didn't do this this past week after the fast. I know many of you. And some of you said yes to the dessert even though you were full, okay? I don't... Okay, Lord Jesus. But we deny to see because, and I know it's a funny example, right? But, but how many people treat and respond to God the same way? Where God wants to fill them, God wants to change them, God wants to use them, but He can't fill them the way that He wants to because they are already full of themselves. See, it's possible even to be living for the Lord, right? And if we're not careful, we can become full. And we're not hungry, and we're not thirsty for his righteousness, and many people aren't tasting and seeing of God's goodness, why? Because they are already full, and God wants to pour it in. But it's hard for him to pour it in if you've never first poured out. And people in life, they're full of pride, full of ego. You can be full of sin. Full of selfishness, full of thinking you know better than God, full of pretending, of hiding over behind who you pretend to be. You can be full of unforgiveness, full of fear, full of doubt, whatever it may be. And God wants to fill us, but He can't fill us to the brim the way He wants to because guess what? We're already. So what are we supposed to do? Let me tell you what we're called to do. And this is a daily thing I pray that we do every single day where we learn the importance of repenting and turning to the Lord and emptying ourselves out before him. And we say, God, forgive me. Lord Jesus, I need you. God, I wanna pour it out. I pour out that pride. I pour out that fear. I pour out that sin. I pour out that doubt. I pour out that depression. I pour out myself. I'm pouring everything. Else, what other people think, wh- whatever it may be, my own plan. I'm pouring everything. Out. I'm pouring myself out completely before you, Lord. Seeing, you know what happens whenever this got poured out from all those things. It became a vessel. It became an empty vessel that now God can fill and use for His glory. And this is what God wants. We got, I, even today, I prayed, I pray, Lord Jesus, just use me as a vessel. Just use me as a mouthpiece. God, I pray that there will be no restrictions. I pray that there will be no limitations within inside me. I pray that I would step up there, that, that it wouldn't just be me speaking. But, God, I pray that you would begin to flow and that you begin to have your way. God, use me as a vessel, Lord. See, there's scripture for this, too, in Second Timothy chapter 2. Verse 22, chapter, yeah, 2 Timothy chapter two, verse 20 through 22, it says this. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue what? Righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who are called, who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. So the Apostle Paul, he's given an analogy right here in the scripture, and he's talking about how during these ancient times, these wealthy homes, they would have different types of vessels, or you could say cups, and they would have silver and gold cups that were used for special occasions. Maybe whenever they had special company over, or maybe they had a wedding or whatever, and maybe they had a celebration, and they would pull, like fine china almost, right? They would pull them out for special occasions and use for honorable thanks the silver and the gold cups. However, on the other side, there was also wooden and clay. Cups, come on, do you have like maybe for us today, maybe like star foam cups, right? Like, because you know, if you have like company over and you want to make an impression, you're probably not going to use the star foam cups unless you just don't care, right? You want to get the nice cups. You want to get the nice plates. And, and what the apostle Paul is telling us is this. He's saying, you're like a vessel. You're called to be a vessel used by God. But guess what? You weren't called to be filled and used for dishonorable, sinful things. But you were called to be a vessel, to be filled and used for honorable, righteous things. Because guess what? God wants to consecrate you. God wants to cleanse you. God wants to change you from the inside out. He wants to make you holy. In other words, he wants to make you set apart. God said, be holy for I am holy. That's even in the New Testament. In other words, once I have given my life to Christ and I've emptied myself out before him, I am no longer going to allow myself to go back to my old ways or go back to maybe that old toxic relationship or go back to that addiction or go back to that sin. You know, we we've all fallen short of the glory of God. If, if I if I fail and I fall short, guess what? I know that I can go to the one when I confess my sins unto him. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and what us from all unrighteousness. You were called to be a vessel used by God to bring glory to the name of Jesus. You're not just like anybody else. You are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a holy nation. See, that's why you got to have a standard. That's why you got to live a life of conviction. That's why you got to live a life where you put God first because we're not going to allow the junk and mess and sin of the this world to contaminate what God wants to use me for because God has called you to be the salt and the light but how is God going to be the salt we know, we are called to be the salt and the light how are people going to taste and see if we're not the salt and the light we got to be set apart where we meet with people and God uses us because God wants to use you You know, I've heard people pray before, God, use me. And then they get offended when God uses them because they say, I feel like I'm used, Lord. God wants to use you. You are a vessel, but you have to be willing to empty yourself out. Because you can go through life full of things that you were never meant to hold on to. And God all along the way is saying, I just want it. Can you give it to me? But we say, no, God, I got to earn it. God, I got to achieve it. I got to get myself out of this. I got myself in this. I made that mistake. I did those things. I got to do it. And we put the pressure on ourselves, and people find themselves staying in the same spot. But if you would just empty yourself out before the Lord and say, God, I can't do this without you. Guess what God wants to do? He wants to fill you. He wants to touch you. He wants to change you. He wants to transform you. And let me tell you, when you taste and see of God's goodness and you hunger and thirst after righteousness, he wants to fill you, where guess what? He begins to change you. We can't be full of ourselves. I think if anybody was full of themselves in Jesus' day, it was the Pharisees and Sadducees and the scribes. Oh yeah, they were so full of themselves. Think about this for a second. The Pharisees, they were the religious leaders in Jesus' day. If anybody should have seen and received Jesus as the Messiah, they should have been the first ones. They should have, right? But because of their pride and their ego and being full of their self-righteousness, they missed out on the Messiah, See, you know what the funny thing about them was this. They presented themselves as so perfect and holy and righteous. They they would wear these expensive, righteous-looking robes, and they would have these tassels that would sway around, and they would walk around, and they would flaunt themselves before the people and say, look how good I am. Look how great I am. Look, 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 Look what I can do and bragging and boasting, but then all along the time, Jesus saw their hearts and he said, you are like whitewashed tombs. You look great on the outside, but you are dead and unclean on the inside because God is the one who sees the heart. See, they thought their, their righteous robes on the outside made them righteous on the inside, but the scripture says that our righteousness alone is like filthy rags unto God. And Jesus said this of them in Matthew chapter 23. He said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate. I never heard Jesus call somebody a plate, until I read this, right? That's a funny one, just a plate. But inside, they are full of greed and self-indulgence and indignation, you blind Pharisee, First, clean the inside of the cup and the plates that the outside may be clean. So get that. Start with the inside. And then it will be a reflection of what's happening on the outside. You also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you, you are full of hypocrisy. So get this. Once again, they thought that just because they presented themselves as one way in public and one way to people that that meant that they were righteous on the inside. And that's what religion will do many times. And if we're not careful, we can fall into the entrapment of religion where we think just because we present ourselves in a certain way on the outside and in a public setting, whatever, and we just put on the show that that makes us righteous on the inside. And that's what religion does. It says, start on the outside. And then once you do things on the outside, guess what? You'll be changed on the inside. But Jesus flipped it all because God doesn't just change from the outside in. God is the one, by being in a relationship with them, he changes us from the inside out. Where not everybody may not be able to notice and see what God is doing. See, because there's people that come, see, we should never make it into a competition, a, a I'm more holy than you competition. Because let me tell you, Jesus even said, you can present yourself as one way. You can wear your Sunday's best. But God is the one who sees the heart. And he said this. He said, you are like cups and plates that look so clean on the outside. But on the inside, you are unclean. But guess what? The same God, see, because man looks at the outside, God looks on the inside. So this cup wasn't clear, you saw this, you'd be like, man, that's an, if it was a different kind of cup, maybe like that's a nice cup. But when you look inside of it, it could be dirty. God is the one who sees the heart. But here's the good news. The same God who sees the heart is also the same God and the only one who can change the heart. Because let me tell you, God can change. God can redeem. God can renew God can make new, and that's what he wants to do in our life. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you way too much to keep you the way that you are but you have to learn how to empty yourselves out. You can't, we can't allow ourselves to be full of ourselves, and we can't say to ourselves, you know what? I'll give this to God once I reach this point or once I get this together or once I get that together and whatever and people hold off from coming to God because of self-righteousness when at the very beginning we need to give it to the Lord and say, God, I know all these things are happening around you, but God, I'm gonna seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and guess what? things will begin to change around me as well. It will change around me as well. Is this making sense to somebody today? Man, I know this is practical. I know this is simple, but we got to grab a hold of this. worship team, y'all can go ahead and join up. Come up here. God can't fill us if we're full of ourselves. Romans chapter 10, verse 1 through 3 says this. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. So even to this day, have you ever thought about this before? Because even to this day, there are people, Jewish people and people in Israel that are still waiting on the Messiah when the Messiah has already come. And he says that they may be saved for I bear witness that they have a zeal for the Lord, but not according to the knowledge. They have all this passion, but they're their knowledge, they're living in darkness. Why? Because of their ignorance. Because it says this for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Ignorant of God's righteousness. And you could say the same thing, not just for people in Israel, but many people even today in the church and seeking to establish their own righteousness, but, not have, but have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Question Have you submitted yourself as a vessel? to the righteousness of God. Have you surrendered and yielded yourself to God, to his righteousness, to his spirit? Why, because, get this, God can't fill what you're not willing to yield. We gotta yield it. Come on, you ever been to a yield sign before where you're pulling up and you can't go, right? You have to yield to the oncoming traffic. You gotta yield to those things. And that same thing in our lives too, before we move forward, make certain decisions and whatever, maybe we have to yield to God and say, God, what would you have me to do? I'll wait on you. When you say go, I'll go. If you say yes, I thought when you say no, I, I want to yield to you. And guess what? As we yield to him, God will begin to do a deeper work in our lives. We have to empty ourselves out to him because God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Here's the closing statement I want to leave you with, and I want to give you an illustration so we can just really grab a hold of this even more. When God fills you with his righteousness, he renews you from the inside out. In other words, he changes you, transforms you, makes you new from the inside out. See, some people say, you know, I'm going to give my life to the Lord so I can have a better day or a better week. It's not about that, really. It's not, God wants to give you a new life. He wants to change you and transform you as you receive. Because once again, it's not a, God's righteousness in his spirit. It's not a reward. It's a gift. Titus 3, 4 through 7 says this, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly. Come on, who knows that God's spirit is still being poured out to this day? Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. God wants to fill you. He wants to fill you with his righteousness. He wants to fill you with his spirit. Once again, it's not a reward. It's a gift. It's not achieved. It's received. It's not earned. It's exchanged. It's not gained. It's given. You know, and I've seen this before, because when you think about this, what does it mean to be filled with his righteousness? What does it mean even to abide in Christ? What does it mean to be filled with? with this spirit. Many times when we think about this, we think and we see it as just this, where little by little we get filled a little bit more and a little bit more. And as God fills us, eventually we'll overflow. And I've seen this before too, and I've done illustrations even when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? I've given illustrations before to you that say, this is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when God fills you and you overflow, which, and, you know, I, I would do that. People would go crazy. Like, Yeah, come on, I want to overflow. I want to be filled with God. I want to walk, I want, I, I, I want to be led by the Lord. But let me tell you, you know what this word, even baptism means in, in the, in the, in the Greek, in the New Testament? It means to be submerged. It's Baptism Sunday today as well. I'm mentioning this because it's Baptism Sunday today. But it means to be immersed, to be submerged, to dip completely. So you could say, y'all, this is, see, God doesn't just desire to fill you just to overflow. You know what God desires to do in your heart and in your life and how I believe that God sees us as we go all. It's not this. It's this, y'all. completely submerged, this is what God wants to do. What does God want to do in your life? He wants to take you, see, because it's almost like when you're a Christian, you're a believer and you receive of his righteousness, it's almost like you go from being, you're a, what, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. All former things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. It's almost like you took a living, land, air-breathing mammal and you threw it in the water and, be, and it grew some gills and some fins. Let me tell you, in a similar way you could say that when it comes to being a believer and being, being a, a child of the most high God and being in Christ, God changes you and he wants to change you from what? The inside out, where guess what? I am in Christ. Christ is in me. I abide in Christ and Christ abides in me. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Everything changes. The way that I walk, the way that I talk, my personality, everything begins to change, why? Because I'm saying, God, I'm going all in. See, don't just live your life in the shallow ends with Jesus. Say, I'm jumping in. I'm jumping, in. I'm going in the deep and I'm gonna be, because here's what's crazy, you know? You can't even see the cup, can you? Did you know the apostle Paul said this? He said, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. You know the apostle Paul said this too, he said, my life has been hidden in Christ. So you you wanna know why you can experience the presence of God, because come on, have you ever felt the presence of God on the inside? And you felt the presence of God on the outside? And you could say, what does it mean to be even baptized in the spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? Let me tell you, it's not really it, it is a he. He is God. So you could say to be baptized in the, in the spirit is to be immersed and to be submerged in the presence of God. But let me tell you how it happens. It's not achieved. It's received. And his righteousness, and it changes. and it's all because of his righteousness that we can boldly approach the throne. Don't disqualify yourself. Give it to the Lord. Are you full of things? Are you? Have you been harboring and holding on to things that God is saying, give this to me. Give this unforgiveness to me. Give that hurt to me. Give that offense to me. Give that pride to me. You don't have to have it all figured. Give it to me. Why? Because I want to fill you and transform you from the inside out. Come on, does anybody want to be transformed? Is anybody hungry and thirsty for his righteousness? If you don't, if you don't mind, can you stand to your feet today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, we can just pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for today. God, I thank you, Lord, for this word. God, I thank you, Lord, that your righteousness is not achieved, it is received. God, let us begin to walk in it. God, change us. God, I thank you, Lord, for the lives that are being changed, the people that are growing in you today, God. I just pray right now, God, over every person, God, maybe for those here in the building or those watching online, God, I pray that we would never be the same, God, Come on, maybe you're in this place. You've got to empty yourself out of some things. We're going to go ahead. Before we leave this place, nobody leaving yet, we're going to open up the front as well. I feel like God wanted to, we want to create space to do this today. If you're in this place, you need somebody to pray with you, you need a pastor or elder to agree with you. Uh, maybe there's some things that you need to empty out. That you've been holding on to don't worry about who's to your right who's to your left who's in front of you who's behind you maybe even today you're at the workshop last night or you're just desiring the baptism of the holy spirit let me tell you this is a place god wants to fill you but we have to humble ourselves before him it happens come on lord jesus we thank you lord for today god we thank you jesus for your presence lord come on as the pastors come up to the front of prayer partners if you need prayer come up to the front god we worship you God, we honor you. We need you, Lord Jesus. Begin to cry out to him. God can touch you right where you are right now in this moment. God can touch you right now. Nobody has to even lay hands on you. Just surrender your heart. God, seize the heart. Say, Lord Jesus, right now, forgive me, Lord, all self-righteousness, all pride. Right now, Lord Jesus, we surrender to you. Can we begin to sing it out? Can we just begin to raise our hands and worship? You can have my heart, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's sing it out. need prayer comes to the front. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.